Hey, Don. Hey, Jen. What are you listening to this week? Welcome to What Are You Listening To This Week, the weekly podcast where we talk about our favorite songs. Some old, some new, all good. I'm Jen Tully, and this week I'm joined by Don Sento, producer, guitarist, and composer based right here in Austin, Texas. He has recorded, toured, and or shared the stage with the likes of Sarah Jaffe, Ume, Little Jack Melody, and Chomsky, just to name a few. Don also records his own music under the name El Cento and co-leads the instrumental band Shibboleth. Also, did you know that now on Spotify, you can listen to the show with the songs we discuss incorporated? Just search for What Are You Listening To With Music. If you're not listening on Spotify, be sure to give the playlist a listen and then tune into our conversation. With that, let's get started. Don, what are you listening to this week? Well, Jen, I got two songs for you. The first is, and I'm going to get this name wrong, I'm going to mispronounce the title because it's not English, so I apologize in advance for that. <laughs> but it's by an artist uh, named Aruj Aftab, and the song is called Mohabat, Mohabat uh, which is the Urdu word for love. And this is uh, a song that came to me via a friend uh, named Gavin Hobson, who's from the U.K., and okay. he was recently visiting my wife and I, and he's a, a dedicated record collector, and he has a very eclectic taste and leans toward the experimental and uh, just an all-around fascinating guy. So I just asked him, I literally asked him, what are you listening to this week? And <laughs> he mentioned this artist. I think he had seen her live in the UK fairly recently. But uh, Aruj Aftab is a Pakistani musician. Uh, she's currently living in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where she was born. I, I think she might have been born in Saudi Arabia, but I couldn't really figure that out. Um, so she is just a fascinating person. She's a composer. Uh, she started out really young in Pakistan uh, with a couple of songs that kind of hit the... There was no indie or underground scene there, but she did some recordings when she was younger, and that sort of created that scene, according to the internet. That's cool. But uh, she then moved to the U.S. and went to the school in Berkeley uh, in Boston. With ended up with a double major in jazz composition and music production and engineering, which is pretty awesome. And so this song, Mohabat, is her musical interpretation of an of a poem uh, from I believe the early early twentieth century, so in the nineteen twenties. By yeah, and here's another name I'm going to mispronounce: Hafiz Hashiapuri. Mohabat. So he wrote that in the 20s, and it's a love poem. It's, she calls it a tragicomic love poem. She says it's very sad, but it's also hilarious. And um, in reading her uh, translation, I kind of get where she's coming from. There's a great video on the internet of her sort of breaking it down. But it's just, the, the um, obviously I didn't come to it because of the title or anything, because I don't speak Urdu. But just the the sonic nature of the song is really beautiful and really ethereal, and she's got an amazing voice, and she's kind of uh, she's accompanied by a harp and um, a guy playing violin, affected violin. Um, I believe there's some guitar on this one too. There's guitar elsewhere on the record, but it's really fascinating. It's very slow moving. It's very it evolves very slowly. It's gossamer. It's you know dark and light, um, and I kind of there there are 
it, it had this love poem is starts out it is very sad but I do kind of feel the sort of the tragicomic undercurrent in the song that she talks about. I never would have gotten that out of the lyrics, but now now that she says that, I can't help but see it. Well, and I I, I was reading too. I had not heard this song. I was not familiar with this artist. Um, and then in digging around, I was like, oh, wait, I have heard this song. Um, Pitchfork did a write-up on her, and Time Magazine mentioned this song, I think in one of their seven best yeah. at a year end. It was on one of Obama's, I think his 2021 summer playlist, which I, so I, I'm pretty sure that's where I heard it. Um, but it just, it didn't register. And so going back and spending a little bit more time with it it really does it feels like a meditation and it's a long song it's i think it's upwards of seven minutes that sounds right yeah um and it's a fairly short poem so you get a lot of instrumentation in there um but it really is i I wrote a couple of notes about it it does sound like a meditation and i think that was something she said too that it's a meditative song about love and letting go yeah she was doing an interview i think for the berkeley college of music like alumni newspaper yeah and that's what she said i'm like yeah yeah and then this is interesting but for people that were fans of the show it also sounded like a song from an episode of this is us like i'm not sure who did the (laughs) musical direction for that but like um what's his name michael kiwakawa you know he became really popular after he had a song in there and then did the theme song for big little lies and you know in the show this is us the um the main character played by mandy moore who's also a singer um reference she was a big fan of joni mitchell so they throw in a lot of joni mitchell songs Mm -hmm. um but the but that show had a very kind of clear soundtrack and a musical feel and presence it was almost like an extra character in the show because right. there was so much music in it. And that that was something that I thought about in listening to this song. Um, and then it's really, it's again, I, I read some of the translation of the poem and the lyrics are really beautiful. It says, seeing how you have ample lovers around you, I will not be one of them. This is sad as I love you the most. The sadness of this is equal to the sadness of all the world. And were there not this one sadness, how much happiness would there be? <laughs> right? It's like, okay, wow, that that got um, heavy pretty fast. It really did. <laughs> it's sort of like a, uh, it's it's deep and moving, but it's also sort of like a high school. Yeah. Mat. It's very, very, <laughs> very uh, I don't know the word, petty. It's a little petty. And, and a little. It's funny. And I think that's sort of the tragic, I think that's sort of the comic aspect of it too, is it sort of just makes this huge left turn. Well, and it makes me feel a little bit um, less alone or unique in my position that this poem was written in the 1920s. So like a hundred years later, we're still experiencing these feelings. You know, I think a right. little spoiler alert later in the show, uh, to, to no one's surprise, we are going to get to some Taylor Swift. Um, and I think that that like this sort of goes along with that, right? The, the feeling is universal, whether it was written, you know, last month or 100 years ago, like right. this sort of like love and longing and loss and desire and sadness, like been around forever. Right. It's going to be around forever. It's not going anywhere. That's right. And so I felt <laughs> like um, this song was a great representation of that. Um, tell me about your second pick this week. All right. So my second song is another non-English song by another strong female artist. Uh, and I'm going to mispronounce this as well. Undia. Oh, God. Qualcara. Qualcara. Undia Qualcara. All right. By Silvana Estrada. Estrada. Uh, from an album called Marchita. And this is another one, like you mentioned earlier with the previous song, like this artist has been making waves for a long time big waves 
and I have not caught any of them. Yes. <laughs> which is nothing new. But um, this was brought to my attention by a friend named Brian Ferguson, who's a great drummer that I work with occasionally. We were having lunch one day and just, hey, what are you listening to this week? Again. Great question. Just like your show. <laughs> um, and he mentioned this artist and a couple others, but this one kind of struck me. And she has a few other records. And she's another really uh, precocious young person. Like her first record, I think, was when she was 17, 16. Yeah, she was really young. With a jazz great, uh, Charlie Hunter. Again, oddly enough, another st- j- studied jazz person. Yeah. Just, you know, coincidentally. Um which for our listeners that don't know, you did as well. I did that as well. Yes. I haven't had as much success as these fabulous musicians, but hey, I'm here <laughs> right now with you. That's right. That's right. The pinnacle of that's your career right, right here. Don. I'm happy. I'm happy <laughs> to be here. So she, those early records were very jazzy and they didn't grab me and that's fine. They're great, but it didn't grab me. But this new one that came out, I guess, last year is, I guess they like they say she went back to her roots and they stripped all the the frills and the all the bells and whistles away and it's just her voice and she plays a little guitar-y kind of instrument which I I can't remember the name of it. It's a Venezuelan quattro guitar. Thank you. I believe. Thank you. Um, so there's a lot of that, but the instrumentation's really uh, spare and sparse. There's a lot of great strings, a lot of great horns. But nothing is really uh, overdone or overcooked. And this song is one of the least dense songs. It's just her voice and it sounds like about five or six people in the back stomping and snapping. Yes. And then there's an organ solo in the middle, which is awesome. Yes. And um, it's a really great vocal performance. Again, the lyrics are kind of lost on me, but the vocal performance is really passion impassioned. Um, the whole recording is super cool. And that just really struck me. And so that's, uh, and she's uh, nominated for a Latin Grammy. Okay, okay. I, I don't think we mentioned that the previous artist, Aruj Aftab, won uh, a Grammy of the 22 Grammys okay. for the best global music performance. So these people are kicking butt. Um, but again, she's been everywhere and I'm just now finding her. Same. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's a Mexican artist, as you mentioned. She has three albums and she's 25 years old. You yeah. know what I mean? Like she's been out there. And, and I too loved, this was an interesting challenge for me. You know, again, I, I say it almost every episode. I love lyrics. Uh, they're a big driving force in like the music that I choose to listen to. And this one, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to read a translation. Right. I want to listen to it. I want to see how I feel. I did translate the title, which means any given day, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, but I just wanted to like feel the song and just sort of what was my interpretation of it without translating the lyrics. And for me, it's like you said, you know, there's this drum that keeps the cadence and, and then there's stomping. And I couldn't tell if it was clapping or snapping. I wrote back and forth. I'm yeah. like, I'm not yeah. sure which thing they're doing, but that's really it. And it just keeps this steady cadence throughout the whole song. Yep. And as I'm thinking about um, when this episode drops, it will it will drop on Halloween. And spooky. so I was and it's spooky. Um, and so I was thinking a little bit about that too, while I was listening, like this feels perfect for, um, you know, like Halloween or even like not Halloween, but, you know, Dia de los Muertos, which is, you know, a different a different kind of holiday. I'm certainly not implying that it is Mexican Halloween. It is not. <laughs> I am aware of that. Right. Um, but this just felt almost like a funeral procession, you yeah. know, so it was conjuring that like, you know, um, that we often go to Dia de los Muertos celebrations in San Antonio. And, you know, they have this big parade at the end and this community altar where you can put pictures and things and 
candles. Mm. And this just felt like a perfect song for that. It was haunting and it was almost but not quite a cappella. Like you mentioned, the organ comes in towards the end yeah. and then really kind of like spooks it out. Um, so I thought that this was such a cool song and an artist that I'm so happy to know now and yeah. will go back and just continue to listen to old music that she's produced before and see what she does next because yeah. I just thought this was such a cool such a cool song. Um, it worked really well. And and I think it was also a perfect segue into my first pick, at least musically. The the um, the sound and the sentiment are similar. Um, so with that, my first pick, of course, I, again, to the surprise of no one, um, <laughs> I picked a song from Taylor Swift's new Midnight's album called Vigilante Shit. Another artist that's been everywhere that I've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> right. She was, um, you know, she's born in Pennsylvania, then moved to Nashville. Let me tell you the story. Um, no, I mean, please, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for Midnight's. I live for a new Taylor Swift album. Um, I love the whole album. I love the 3 a.m. version, you know, that gave us, I think, seven extra songs. Mm -hmm. And I just think in terms of like, writing a song it's it's really hard for me to find anybody else that puts that can turn a phrase the way she does right. and make it be so impactful or so relatable or say exactly what it is you know i think a lot of us think and, and can't put to words um and she opens this one with just like pure taylor swift magic um in draw the cat eye sharp enough to kill a man i'm like that just stands alone right. for me. I mean, <laughs> you can't. It's just her lyrics are brilliant always. And even I say this a lot about bands, even if you don't like a particular artist, I think you have to acknowledge where talent exists. Sure. And for me, that's I think Taylor Swift is just one of the quintessential songwriters of our day. Um, that's a bold statement. And I love singer songwriters and I love lyrics. I say it all the time. And, and for me, that statement just rings true with her. I think she just she she writes lyrics that I think are some of the best I've ever heard. Well, it's hard to argue with success. I mean, she's not my first go to, although I do listen to her records and I think she has a great sensibility making records. The lyrics may not be written for me as a 49-year-old male, <laughs> um, but I do, I mean, I clearly appreciate her the way she turns a phrase. A lot of them, constantly, yeah. especially in this song. Vigilante shit has a bunch of great lyrics in it. Um, but it, like I said, you just can't argue with success. And I think, you know, a lot of people, of course, she loves Easter eggs. She's famous for, you know, just layering all kinds of things yeah. in that as a person that loves pop culture like I do, that's fun, too. It's like an added bonus on anything that she releases to know that you're going to get kind of these side stories and um, people speculating about what certain things mean. Right. Um, and so, you know, again, I think another great song, another great thing about this song is that it's straight up like revenge fantasy, right? Yeah, like yeah. the whole thing. And how many times I, I know I 
I've done it. I don't think I'm unique in that where you, you know, you're laying in bed at night and you're replaying a scenario in your head and thinking of like all the great things that you could have said oh, you sure, know, yeah. had you not been so taken aback in the moment or so angry or whatever. Yeah. And so I love that you sort of get that satisfaction in this song. You get right. to hear all of the great one-liners about, you know, like I don't start shit, but I can tell you how it ends. Right. You know, that's a great, like that's one of those things where in the middle of an argument, like, oh, if I could remember that zinger, you know, right. how great would that have been? Or um, on the weekends, I don't dress for friends. Lately, I've been dressing for revenge, right. you know, where you're just like, yes, she nailed it. And so that's, that was what I was going to say in terms of theme for this show. Um, you know, it could be a ladies night girl power episode but really, since it's releasing on Halloween, I'm like, any dudes out there that were happy <laughs> when women were quiet and non-threatening, like, be scared. Be right. scared of today's selections because we've got four really powerful women coming at you from all over the globe um, with amazing talent. And so. var varying levels of anger. You yes. Know, you said something about Taylor Swift, which I was I was kind of thinking about, too. You said Easter eggs. And she has, is her own sort of Marvel universe. Like, right. It's so many callbacks to her personal life, which is played out all over Instagram and mm -hmm. TikTok and everything. I think it's sort of, it feels natural coming from her, but it also, it also is very much of this time. Like I think she has figured out how to use every tool at her disposal to get her music out there to the world, you know? Yeah, and I think she genuinely likes that. You know, like no, I yeah, think yeah, she yeah. genuinely operates that way. Like, Yeah, I feel like, like you were saying, like, maybe you're about to say this, but it's like, it's all her idea. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think she necessarily has a team directing her every move. Like, I think she works with a giant team. Sure. But I think a lot of it comes from her brain. Yeah, and I think, you know, whenever you're listening to a song like Vigilante shit, you know, and a lot of people have speculated, and I don't really, for me, I'm like, it's not really that thinly veiled, you know, that it's about Scooter Braun right. and that whole drama that went down. But I'm like, I don't know what I admire more about it, like the ballsiness or like um, the fact that she is was able to pull it off, you know, re-recording yeah. all of her songs and yeah. basically rendering his catalog unusable or unprofitable at best, yeah. you know, it's like... I think that that's just amazing. Like anybody that can that can make a gamble like that, whether her team was advising her for or against it, like the fact that she was like, this is how we're going to do it. You right. know, I just, I think there are a few artists that wield that kind of power. And so I respect and admire that she's not shrinking. She's not, you know, nobody's putting her in a corner, right? right. Like she's doing what she wants to do and she's making sure she's getting taken care of too. I think that a lot of artists have done that. Like, ELO has done that, Def Leppard's done that, re-recorded their old hits, but I think she has managed, just because of the, the amount of power that she wields in the industry, just, like you said, to just negate the previous catalog, mm -hmm. and I think she has such a rabid fan base, like everybody actively ignores the previous records. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. It really is. Um, and while we're talking about powerful women, I'm going <laughs> to segue into my second pick, um, which was also from a new album that came out at the end of September. Um, and it's a song called Burning by Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Yes. Um, so, of course, like everyone, I love Karen O and I love Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Um, and this new album has delivered on so many levels. And I chose Burning because I often, you know, anybody that knows me knows I love a good mixtape and feel like, you know, a, a hidden talent, a little known fact is that I can put together a mixtape for any occasion. And so a Halloween playlist is always right. a favorite for mine. And so I often include Heads Will Roll um, because I think that's such a great 
Halloweenish kind of song. And I'm like, well, now Burning might kind of replace that a little bit. You know, this song musically, it's like three songs in one, you know, right, the time yeah. changes and, and the the key changes, the way that she changes the pacing and cadence of how she's singing. Like, it's just, again, I'm like, I'm looking at your face and I'm wondering, am I using completely incorrect <laughs> musical terminology? Um, but for me, like, it does. It feels like I'm getting like three songs in one with this song. Well, I agree. And I think just, I don't remember the lyrics off the top of my head, but I was reading them last night. It seems like it is about change about a change of state from water to fire mm-hmm. you know sort of i'm not sure exactly what what uh what the metaphor is but there's a lot of change i like there's a, so much repetition you know she'll, yeah. she'll have a phrase and just repeat it over and over and over and and on you know not only someone like karen o but certainly karen o is one of the best she has such a great voice just pulls me in she's such an amazing front person yep have you ever seen them live yes did you see so good. we saw them Two years ago, whenever they were here in Austin, it was so awesome. Yeah, she's unreal. She's yeah, unreal. She's and, fantastic. And I think the imagery in this song, too, like you can. And again, I, I did find she Karen O told Rolling Stone that the song is about if the world is on fire, I hope the most beloved stay protected and that we do all we can to protect what we cherish most in this life. Burning is a song about that feeling smoke signals for the soul. So that's sort of huh. what she said it was about. And for me, like if I close my eyes and listen to the song, I can almost see her like pouring gas gasoline everywhere dropping a match and walking away (laughs) you know like it's just like it's that's what it feels like to me like sort of this witch hunt vibe um and i don't know if it's because it references water and then burning um and then she has this cool trick you know where she calls out the bad and then she counters it with how she's good or like able to rise above it you know there's a there's a a line that like you were were talking about she kind of repeats where she says caught you hiding in the smoke 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 Mm -hmm. like a meteor i glow 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 and then later on in the song she says what they're hiding there is broke 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 like the river sticks i flow 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 yeah. you know like so she comes back with these really cool and then um you know she says what you gonna do when you get to the water well i'll release her from the bindings of her teachers and you're like okay sure. all right like that sounds <laughs> you know again just a super bold statement by yeah. a bold artist and a band that i'm always excited every time a new album comes out by yeah 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 i'm like there for it i was very excited that they made another record yeah yeah i like it i like it and also too just her influence in so much of music today you know mm-hmm. i often hear young artists especially young female artists talk about what an influence that yeah. karen O was and one that pops to mind that we were just talking about is um japanese breakfast i know that she yeah, loves yeah. karen O, and like you know that's like a hero to her and i love that you can hear those influences mm-hmm. in you know when you're listening to japanese breakfast like i can hear something that i'm yeah. like oh that sounds kind of like yeah yeah yes um so i do like the way that it, it comes full circle like that. It's awesome. Well, Don, thanks for sharing with me once again what you're listening to this week. To learn more about Don and listen to his music, you can follow him on Instagram at El Cento or visit his website, doncento.com. That's E-L-C-E-N-T-O or the website is D-O-N-C-E-N-T-O.com. And to our listeners, Please join me again next week to find your new favorite song.